This time on Watchers of Tomorrow, Planet of Twinks! Hello everyone, welcome to Watchers of Tomorrow, the sci-fi review and critique show that pretends to be looking at gender norms while actually reinforcing them. I am Gepwin and I am joined as always by my friend and co-host Dr. Izix. Hi! And this week we have the very unassuming, could be literally freaking anything with this title, episode called Angel One. Clearly this is a uh, an episode where uh, the, the first angel uh, kicks off the first impact and, uh, you know. Yep, the first angel comes, kills God, then starts, then takes over God's position, and then years later somebody comes from an alternate dimension to try to take kill God because he has a beef with the church because of some kind of thing where he had an affair with a church higher up and then they kidnapped his daughter. I haven't read those books in a while, but I oh. think that's what we're getting to. <laughs> I was referencing Neo-Genesis Evangelion, but yes, that, that also works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I haven't watched Neo-Genesis. I know they call them angels. It's one of those weird Japanese things. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Anywho, uh, we got uh, Angel One here. It's, a, it's an episode of Star Trek Next Generation. I could certainly say that. Yep. This yep. is one of those ones that's trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't, but it tries. Whoops. That's a lot of these. Yeah. Especially the first season where it kind yeah. of feels like they took bits and pieces of like original series episodes and threw them into a blender. And then it's like, here, writer person, you haven't done a lot of writing for Star Trek yet. Or maybe you have, but try and make an episode out of this. Yeah, so we I guess we've made progress because well we didn't have well we had one version of this in original series which because we're we're finally I mean I guess not finally it's way too early in the season to for them to be trying to do this, <laughs> but uh, we're at the matriarchy episode. I feel like yep. almost every sci-fi series has to get to a matriarchy episode at some point. Yeah, it seems so. So original series we had this planet seems to be run entirely by women but the women don't actually run anything the computer is running everything and also the men are brainless rape monsters yes and you know that that, these elements might not be the thing people remember most about that particular episode but yeah that's kind of what what was going on there yeah the women can't actually run stuff and are too stupid to run stuff as women are and that's why they needed to kidnap Spock's brain. Yes. So now yeah. you know what Spock's brain is actually about. Yep. Sexism. <laughs> As was most of that show, but yeah. Yeah. that one more explicitly than some of the other episodes. And then when we got to the animated series, we had women can run their own society, but only by parasitizing men. And also they're all sad about how they can't have babies. Yes, so uh, they'll get to lift forever, but, uh, you know, reproduction's not in the cards. Also, anyone who visits, you're going to die. So, uh, you know, that's a thing, I guess. Yeah, and really, what is a woman if they can't have babies, right? Someone seems, who you know. who doesn't want to have babies. That's, that's <laughs> who, maybe, I guess, uh, or someone who can't, but, you know, that's you know, just how things are for their life, you know? Yeah, so we moved from... You know, we moved from the 60s, women are too dumb to run a society, to the 70s, 
women can run a society, but what of their natural urges for babies, to the 80s, women can run a society, they don't seem to be too concerned with babies, and they're definitely not too bad to run a society. They, they're doing it, they're not dumb, but they will be just as bad as the men who run our society, oh my god! Da, da, da. Mind. <laughs> so, uh, once again, this is a episode where women being in charge is framed as a bad thing. Yeah, but an equally yeah. bad thing, more or less an equal bad thing to men being in charge. It's more of, it's more of a like, you know, it would be enough of a lateral move that we really shouldn't try to make equality cuz wouldn't change anything really. It's mm. fine. I I so hate this argument because it still comes up and people are like you know, if we make things equal, then we're going to be a second-class citizen. No, that's not what being equal rights is. God, but what on. if we make things too equal? <sighs> <laughs> like, what if we make things so equal that they become unequal? Huh? The, the, huh? Did you, didn't think of that one, did you? That, that's not how it works. Yeah, so, right, so. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just kind of really tired of that argument. It just it <laughs> keeps coming up even now. Yeah, I know. I hate it. Mm -hmm. I hate it. Alright, so this is an episode written by one Patrick Barry, who, who? who is a writer who existed and did things, mm -hmm. I assume, because they definitely wrote this episode and an episode of something called Hunter, and yep. they made an unfinished script for TNG that would have been called The Crystal Skull. Oh, cool. Gonna have, oh my uh, god, some I'm so e glad that didn't come out. <laughs> well, uh, you know, that means Indiana Jones is gonna show up, right? Yeah. See, this <laughs> is just a personal thing with me. For for whatever reason, when I was growing up, my mother was very obsessed with this idea that you should actively hate all alien-leveled conspiracy theories, like, you know, the Crystal Skull. Mm -hmm. So, the Crystal Skull showing up in Star Trek would have so ruined her. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the the, uh, the the author here also is uh, involved in uh, you know a TV series for War of the Worlds apparently. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, something called Kissy for uh, from 1986, uh, an ep episode called The Incredible Hunk Double Dare Bear. <laughs> I'm kind of a little confused what's going on there. So, oh my god, that doesn't even make sense. Those aren't yeah. words. None of those were words. What did you just say? I don't know. <laughs> oh, they also did an episode of Beast Wars. Oh, well, that's fun. Transformers. What a jank cartoon. But, yeah. Tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills. Now you're just throwing words together. No, this is apparently a thing that actually exists. That's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ethos. A low-budget kid show with four alien fighters recruited by Nimbar. The four are Gordon, Laurie, Drew, and Swinton, who fight to save the universe from evil Emperor Gorgonus. So it's trying to be Power Rangers. Kind of. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. Everything was trying to be Power Rangers for a while. Yep. All right. Uh, guest stars. Karen Montgomery is playing Beta, or Beta... I apologize, I didn't watch this episode, I watched this episode a while ago, uh, so I didn't watch it recently, and I've forgotten all the alien names. Yeah, well, she's like the, the elected one, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I just she's call her that. <laughs> I should, because all I can read of this is, like, Beta, which I think is, uh, like, Pakistani nickname. Hmm. Anyway, oh. uh, 
She did a lot of guest appearances on other TV shows, like uh, one called Going in Style, Will and Phil, which I can only assume is some sort of prequel to Will and Grace. Uh, <laughs> uh, she then uh, later transitioned to uh, TV production and stopped acting. Producer for a few shows uh, like Row Your Boat, Sense of Wonder, um, and yeah, so not a whole lot else really. Uh, Sam Hennings plays Ramsey. They started acting in the 80s with appearances on uh, Colby's Dallas, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. They did a lot of sort of uh, minor TV roles through the 90s and 2000s. So they were around. Yeah. It's that that kind of episode. Yeah, yeah it's still acting too. Uh, apparently things coming out in post-production at the moment like the Neon Highway. That sounds fun. Uh, Patricia McPherson plays Ariel. No, not the mermaid, but... Why not? Wasn't that a movie from the 90s? Uh, early eyes, yeah. So this was the original area. Yes. <laughs> so this is from 88. She had guest spots on TV shows in the 80s, but is best known for playing a Bonnie. character in Knight Rider. Yes. Bonnie Barstow in like 60-some episodes. Yeah, which I haven't seen Knight Rider in way too long, and I yes. don't remember any of it. And it's like, she looks familiar. Oh, yeah, Knight Rider. And Leonard John Crawford plays Trent. He was an actor and dancer who co-starred in the movie The Singing Detective, hmm. <laughs> as well as some other films. He would go on to play um, a genderless entity in uh, TNG and some random alien no one remembers from Voyager. Well, the the, 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 Co- the Komar, they're the, uh, the the folks that are like all uh, super crazy about uh, the, the doctor's singing voice. And they're like, we're going to make you a celebrity because we have not apparently experienced music ever. Yeah, the ones who think music is mathematical and the doctor gets all excited and then they're like, no, it's just math. Yeah. <laughs> and then the doctor is sad. Yeah, it's like, oh, they just wanted me for my singing voice. They could copy that. One thing that I want everyone to imagine as we're talking about this episode, like first imagine it, then go look it up because I want to see how right anyone was. Imagine the most 80s inspired female empowerment sci-fi outfit you can mm-hmm. and then put every person in this episode in that yes except the guys yeah except the guys it's all like purple it's all purple which is interesting when you're trying to get away from feminine uh tropes not working and then it doesn't have sleeves none of them have sleeves because this is a sleeveless society <laughs> but which I, I guess is a, at least a thing uh, maybe but they do <laughs> have shoulder pads yes big so shoulder no pads. sleeves but shoulder pads yeah they're the the shoulder pads that uh can compete with the the romulan shoulder pads that come uh, come later yes <laughs> um 80s power hair so everyone looks like they're in a workout video mm-hmm. but yes the men this is something we'll have to get it uh, like possibly describe a bit more later because it is literally a plot point the men wear flowy outfits with like the deepest v-neck the v-neck that goes down to your belly button yes and uh situated so you can at least see one nipple at all times one nipple it Mm -hmm. it it exclusively shows one nipple because two nipples would just be too far yes uh but one that's that's good enough yes also this is one of those matriarchal societies where the women are just taller Mm -hmm. the men are like all little twink boys yes hence the intro yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, also, the uh, the guys seem to wear like some sort of 
jockstrap sort of thing going on. It's, you know, very accentuated. Yeah, it's sort of like a faux codpiece mm-hmm. and sort of dancer attire, strappy leg things. Yes. Anyway, just just look it up. If you if you search Angel One in an, in an image search, you'll you'll see these outfits. They, they come up immediately. Yes. Uh, so uh, I guess this is the episode with the most uh, uh, exposed uh, guy chest, I suppose. Yeah. Well, in, in TNG, because Shatner's yes. not here. Yes. <laughs> well, that's really, you can only count him as one chest. Just, it's overpowering. <laughs> yeah. Also, the Ricardo Montalban thing in oh, yeah. uh, Rapid Con, you know. <laughs> the only time uh, Kirk could be upstaged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is Khan's power. He's like, I can take my shirt off, and people want to see it. <laughs> take that, Kirk. <laughs> Which we're only mentioning because you get the same in- in energy about halfway through this episode. A bit, yeah. So let's jump in. We got some gender dynamics to talk about. Fun, mm-hmm. fun times. Fun, funsy, fun times. Whoa. The Enterprise is searching for a freighter that's been lost for about seven years because, like any bureaucracy, the Federation takes forever to take care of what's probably an emergency. Indeed. Uh, you know, we get sh- missing ships that have been gone for, like, over a century later. And it's like, you guys are just really slow at this, aren't you? <laughs> so the ship was disabled by an asteroid, but several escape pods are missing. So they find the closest inhabitable planet, a planet called Angel One. It's an Earth-like planet similar to mid-20th century Earth, ruled by six mistresses, with the leader being called the Elected One. It's a female-dominated planet, um, which makes Hansler Troy kind of the, like, go-to contact. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hey, uh, uh, Troy, you get to do some stuff this episode. Hooray! Oh. The elected one is not pleased to hear from them because there's men on the ship. Oh, my God. Hmm. But they do allow a brief visit. They're a very insular society, apparently. They're also a pre-warp society, which raises a lot of questions. Yeah, so I guess this is maybe one of those sort of planets where, like, the Cleons showed up and they're like, okay, you, you, you have had warp contact now with people beyond your world. Yeah. I guess we can talk to you now or something. It's, uh... Not particularly important, but it would be kind of interesting to know the hierarchy of like there's uncon there's like completely uncontacted warp- pre warp worlds, but then there's these ones that like they're pre warp, but they know that there are warp capable societies. They're not surprised when someone from space yep. shows up; mm-hmm. they just don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's like mm, or we don't want to be like taken over or invaded or something like that. So go away. <laughs> so the away team comes down. And the elected one and her second Ariel are very evasive about whether or not there are survivors. But according to Troy, they're just sort of worried about stuff for sort of like scattered reasons. Like both of them are worried, but possibly for different reasons and things she can't really tie down. Yeah, well, this is a planet that hasn't been interacted with for ages now. So maybe they're just like, you know, our has policy with the Federation people changed? Is, are we in trouble for some reason? I know they're yeah. asking about these guys here, but, you know, maybe they're uh, just using it as an excuse to, you know, drop a bunch of troops on our planet. So Vita is kind of nonplussed by all this. She sends the crew off to their sleepy chambers, you know, like they do. Like, no, we dismiss <laughs> you. Go to our, our, you know, suite, our executive suite, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it- meanwhile, in the Enterprise... Wesley accidentally hits Picard with a holographic snowball, which raises some uh, questions. Yes. <laughs> which, I, I guess, uh, as far as the uh, the holodeck's concerned, uh, kind of maybe, you know, feeds into the, you know, uh, 
idea that you know for some things on the holodeck that just replicating stuff like stuff you can eat say like snow uh but also we recently had an episode where there are people hanging out outside the holodeck for a time so you know picard gets hit by the snowball a little bit of it gets on wharf they both smell something but wesley doesn't that's yeah. that's you know there's there's some kind of smell yeah you know, Wesley's very like, very yeah. important smell yeah, wesley's like yeah well stuffed up it's fine <laughs> So meanwhile, back on the planet, Meta calls the crew back, and she has decided she has no choice but to trust them because she's kind of out of options. There are, in fact, four survivors from the ship on the planet. They're all men, and they helped them when they first got there, but they later became discontented and started making demands and things, and now they're considered dangerous fugitives. Well, uh, that's a little awkward. Uh, what kind of demands were they asking for? No idea. Just, oh. No. <laughs> they don't like our society, man. <laughs> dangerous dissidents just there is some problem that we're going to leave unsaid because you could just sort of assume it I guess I don't know mm. Mm. Troy suggests that they may be able to find their hiding place with the ship sensors and then they can you know take the survivors away with them problem solved oh, well, that's, that's convenient alright so you can just make our problem go away hooray on the ship there's a mysterious illness. Wesley and his friends from the holodeck have come down with something. Uh, it's contained for now, but you know, could become a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, it is, uh, you know, I guess important to note that uh, now Beverly Crusher is like being, you know, around all the sick people constantly. Yet she doesn't really sort of fall uh, victim to it herself. You know, she gets like, you know, frazzled over time, but she's like, I'm going to power through this. So, Either she has some means to sort of protect herself from viruses she encounters while doing her job, uh, or she just has so many hit points it doesn't matter. Maybe the doctors have upped their containment protocol since it's been bad. Yeah. Uh, So Data postulates a plan to find the survivors from the ship because this planet has no platinum. That's a little weird. None at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's strange, but... Not native to the planet, but some of their technology uses platinum, so they might be able to find it if the survivors have any. So they're going to scan for platinum and track them all down. Oh, that's useful. Uh, So uh, hopefully this works. Uh, Picard gets sick. Uh, Crusher demands that he rest. And since, you know, Data and Riker are off doing stuff, this puts Geordi in charge. Hooray! Geordi. If you do well with this, uh, you might get a promotion. Yeah, to engineer. <laughs> we need to see how you do in command so you can be the head of engineering. <laughs> and so you can command uh, other engineers and no one else. So back on the planet, they're going to have a meeting between Riker and Beta. He puts on the traditional male garb of the planet. So uh, Riker doesn't have a shirt on. <laughs> yes, so we get, we get Riker's chest hair. Yeah, lots of chest hair. Mm-hmm. I think he would have looked better with the beard personally but agreed but maybe this is what inspired the beard secretly it could (laughs) like you've got a lot of hair below your neck i think we need some above yes (laughs) we have balanced this out for future shirtless scenes because they they this is one of the episodes where they're really leaning into the Riker is kirk thing Mm -hmm. but they they kind of drop that as we move on Riker was very very obviously originally supposed to be filling the kirk I'm going to sleep with everyone on the planet roll. Yes. <laughs> uh, but we'll get to that a little bit later this episode. <laughs> Very a little bit later. <laughs> so since Riker is going to have this meeting, diplomatic meeting, 
Definitely only diplomacy happening with his mm -hmm. shirt all the way off. Some uh, personal diplomacy. He sends Troy, Yar, and Data to the location where they found the platinum, and he stays to talk politics. Yeah. You know, just just politics. You know, just that. Yeah. It's yeah. Fine. So uh, does this planet have like uh, you know arranged marriages and things like that? Uh, Not that I've uh, heard. Because uh, for you know for political reasons, yeah. Because you know. You know, Riker's going to be off flying the spaceship, you know, so he's not going to be pinned down, but, you know, he's available. So the away team beam out to the middle of nowhere, where they find Ramsey and the Lost Survivors. Oh, that's useful. I guess the, the only plat platinum on the planet was here. We introduce a ticking clock at this point, because everyone on the ship is sick, including Worf, most of the crew. Geordi's uh, still holding the ship together, but there's a situation developing at the neutral zone that they need to get to when they're done here. So people can't be sick. They have a time hmm. limit here. Hmm. Wait a moment. Neutral zone. Romulans. Yep. Yep. That's the plot. Yes. Yep. Good synopsis. <laughs> Romulans. Just Romulans. Yeah, that's the problem that they do. they don't they don't really use the Romulans for much in the first couple of seasons because they wanted the Ferengi to be a big thing. Yes. <laughs> but every now and then they're just like, we need some, we need we need a ticking clock or an issue. Um, um, uh, Romulans. Yeah. <laughs> so they're not an active threat. They're just kind of over there, but they're scary. So Ramsey does have his men sort of packing up and getting ready to go, but they're really not happy about this because they made a home on this planet and most of them have children or have been married. Like they. They've lived here for seven years. Yeah, so they've kind of settled down roots. So they don't really want to leave, but they know that they maybe have to. Yeah, well, we also only get really Ramsey talking about uh, all of this, and everyone else is just kind of following along with him. And yeah, maybe we should ask some of them, but wait, they're just extras. Uh, Ramsey explains that initially they really liked it here, because, like, you know, it's a planet with a lot of women. It's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. but uh, then they saw how the men were treated. They're not allowed to vote. They don't get to have opinions. They're just sort of decorative playthings. Hmm. Right? Yeah. So that does kind of suck, you know? Maybe that's maybe that's a bad thing. And they sort of started questioning stuff. Hmm. And now they're dissidents. So uh, so now we know a little bit more about what they actually did bad. They complained about, you know, there not being equal rights. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. We still don't know. Yeah. And we never will. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh <-huh. laughs> so there's nothing Starfleet can do to convince them or force them to leave if they don't want to. They're not in Starfleet. They're civilians. Dang, so civilians. They can't order them. They can't kidnap them. Or maybe, uh, you know, given this episode kind of has some things going on, we'll have a, a better episode about, you know, civilians being resistant to uh, being uh, Stuff. Tr you know, yeah. transported away or something like that. Maybe even several. So given... Given that nobody wants to leave, the away team has to beam away, deal with other stuff, report back. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Ariel reveals herself from behind a rock. She is <sighs> working with the dissidents. Yes, uh, Ariel uh, is uh, one of the uh, council members who is most like skeptical of you know dealing and interacting with the Federation to folks. So apparently it wasn't because she was paranoid that they'd be invaded, but because she didn't want them running off with her husband. The team interrupts Ben Riker to report... Um, they were in having some fade to black times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she is very upset that the survivors won't leave because the crew promised to get rid of them. Yeah. So now she has no choice but to send them all to death. Well, uh, wait, did we have a trial? What's going on? <laughs> nope. Sentenced to death. Sorry. You promised uh, to get rid of them. Now I have to. My God, the <laughs> number of things I have to do around here. You just 
you know, you know, uh, fiat death sentences for everyone. On the ship, stuff's getting worse. So far, nobody's died, but more than a third of the ship is sick. The virus quickly mutates and spreads. Crusher brings Picard some tea and mm-hmm. then smells the same thing that he smelled. And it's like, <sighs> oh my god, the virus is spread by smell. That's dun, very dun, dun. unhelpful and is not helping me cure anything. Yeah, it's... Okay, so I guess we could maybe change how our filters in the air stuff works or something maybe to block it but yeah that's not actually going to cure anything uh, yeah. but hey at least we're going to see uh, Picard's chest hair now yeah everyone's got their shirt <laughs> off in this episode <laughs> this is basically what if all the what if all the men had to wear the same outfit that Troy does yeah so basically the practical upshot of all of this is the way team can't leave because they'll get infected mm-hmm. so they're stuck though so, uh, Riker is kind of ready to leave except you know they can't yes because there's nothing they can do about the political situation here but now they're stuck on the planet so, you know uh but they he thinks that rams and the others have been hiding for a while so they'll probably be fine right yes they know how to avoid <laughs> capture <laughs> except Veta knew that ariel was sneaking off and had her <gasps> followed and now they're all captured and are going to be executed tomorrow oh that's awkward um so apparently uh, our showing up here kind of led them into a trap and all this crap. And yeah, you know, yeah. Maybe, maybe a different way to have taken the episode would have been to, you know, maybe the, uh, you know, uh, you know the, the, our elected one, uh, uh, Beata, is like, so, uh, all right, so you're not going to tell us, you know, you know, where, you know, where they are, but we can still probably find them eventually. But how about this? You know, we'll promise not to execute them if you tell us where they are. And then, you know, have things play out otherwise. Riker disapproves of the execution. No other part of this situation. Just that they're going to execute some people. Well, uh, I guess at least he's a, you know, anti-death penalty, so... Yeah. Yeah. Riker offers to give Ramsey and his people a chance to leave with the Enterprise instead of being executed, but Ramsey doesn't want to run from anything, because, you know, everything's shitty on this planet. He doesn't want to leave. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, Riker wants to force them to leave, but they can't because the virus of the ship, it's under quarantine. They can't, they can't go. So they can't even force them to go up to the ship because they'd be making them sick, which seems like it might be better than letting them be executed, but what you're going to do? Yeah, so uh, I guess this is a situation where we're going to try to hold it off to the last moment and hopefully Crusher cures the virus and we can rescue everyone and ticking clocks pile up yeah. and suddenly you know there's a war with the, the romulans and you know for some reason you know uh is able to shoot laser beams out of his eyes i'm surprised that doesn't just attach that to his visor at some point i guess they still <laughs> got the next season of card so data gets sent back to the ship because he's not going to get sick so he can take command if they need to and Riker orders him to no matter what's happening on the planet to go deal with the Romulan situation before it's too late. Hmm. This leaves Riker and the rest of the away team to work out what to do about this execution thing. Yeah, and assuming that uh, Data's taking the ship off, but Data's, you know, a rules lawyer, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Data's very literal. The next day, the away team is invited to witness the arbitration of Angel One's moral imperative. That's what they're calling this execution. You yes. Know, they have a moral <laughs> imperative makes it better i don't know uh you know equal rights versus murdering people uh i think the equal rights wins out here yeah. 
So uh, they initially refuse because Riker's like, I don't want to watch this stupid puppet play execution thing. I don't know. But Data interrupts them. Riker goes, you haven't left. I told you to leave. And Data goes, nope, you told me to leave before it's too late. And I still have 47 minutes by my calculations. <laughs> oh, oh, that's convenient. So Riker now has a plan. And he runs off to the execution with this new plan that he's got. Yeah, Riker's going to try to use a Picard speech. Wait. Yep. They, uh, <laughs> they show off their disintegration doodah. They say it's swift and painless. It's great. Yeah, and it's uh, totally 20th century technology. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> near our level of technology. <laughs> Yeah, just, uh, you know, calls its uh, disintegrators at every home to take care of all our trash needs forever. So Riker makes a speech about how Ramsey's not a resolutionary. He's just a symbol around which normal evolution of the place is is happening. Normal, normal evolution about men and women and how they're equal. And this would happen no matter what. It's fine. It's, you can't stop evolution. It's great. Hmm. This is just how society works. So, you know, uh, you standing in front of this isn't going to really change anything, and murdering them is just going to be, you know, murdering them. So, huh. maybe don't do that. So, uh, he posits that executing them would make them martyrs, and you can't destroy martyrs once you've made them. Uh, Betty goes, nah, I think I still want to disintegrate them, though. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, it's, it's, uh, you know, martyr versus an active threat to, you know... You know, you know, it's actively preaching things. I don't know. But mm. they decide to stop right before they're about to hit the murder button. And then they adjourn to consider Riker's point. All right. Well, uh, we're going to discuss this a little bit. And hopefully your ship doesn't run out of time before you need to go to the neutral zone, Riker. <laughs> back in the ship, Crusher's completed an antivirus, allowing them to beam back whenever they need to. Uh, Riker has data lock on to everyone but to stand by while Beta and the council uh, decide that they don't, in fact, want to execute everyone. They're just going to exile them to a undesirable part of the planet where they'll probably die but at least won't have time to be revolutionaries. Hmm. So, you know, like Antarctica or something. Huh. It's yeah. going to be too hard for them to live so we can slow evolution to a crawl because our society is great the way it is. Yeah, now, we, you know, we can't off. let anything change forever. Hooray! <laughs> the away team goes back to the ship. They are immediately given an injection. Good job. Yep. And mm -hmm. then they just leave to the neutral zone to take care of whatever's going on there. Yeah, so uh, you know, next episode is obviously going to be Romulans. Like, this one was supposed to be about a, be about a computer uh, refit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah they went to like angel something they went to a planet that was all women to get a computer refit in in original series that's yep. when they had the feminine computer voice that they were all making fun of yes and uh you know kirk's like oh this is a little weird but yeah. uh, <laughs> women don't know how to work a computer so they went here hoping to get their computer upgrade and like dang the wrong planet full of women <sighs> i guess we're gonna have to find uh i don't know some cyborgs out, out in deep how space many planets or full like of women are there my god come on <laughs> come on how's the guy supposed to keep track dang it 80s <laughs> dang it <gasps> All right, so this is definitely a episode about sexual equality, right? Mm -hmm. Not, uh, not, not a misogynistic episode at all. It's all about sexual equality yeah, and how great it is. Yeah, it, uh, it's totally not just you know, uh, you know, repainting uh, you know which gender is which and just saying, okay, yeah, this is a thing, and yeah, 
See, here is a um, here's a particular issue that gets run into a lot. When you do something like this, where you just swap stuff, you are taking no time to actually understand the thing that it is you are trying to comment on. Mm -hmm. You're just directly recreating the same circumstances that are happening. Um, the practical upshot of this is that what you've done is create an incredibly essentialist argument. So there's there's two there's two ways to think about uh, sexism in our society, like the like patriarchal domination of most Western society. So uh, is, I'm, I'm guessing the. Uh... So the, the sociological uh, construct versus the uh, biological uh, sort of imperative uh, argument. Am I, am I right here? Yes. Either there is a social dynamic that's been created over generations by which our systems give one group power over another. Just to keep things simple, we're going to discuss it as a binary because that is how the patriarchal society views this. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. men and we have women. Men get to be in charge because that is the way that our society has decided things should work. The the few exceptions to this, uh, you know, are going to be, you know, you are being declared a honorary man or woman as need be, and you know, and thus those exceptions don't exist. So we also have um, what's called gender essentialism, which is there is something completely natural and immutable about the way genders are men are one way women are another way this is a natural immutable fact it is an essential part of your being hence essentialism and that is why men are in charge this is the this is the arguments that you've kind of heard that get folded into society men are inherently more violent men are inherently better leaders women are better organizers women are caretakers the the, the roles in which the two sexes must be divvied up are defined by your natural abilities therefore the way that society is structured is not a socially enforced structure it is a natural structure that we have incorporated into our systems instead of the other way around and for some reason we have to then socially reinforce because reasons yeah for some reason yeah. <laughs> a lot of people want to go against nature oh my god yeah it's it doesn't make any sense apparently there's just this angry cabal of leftists who want to go against nature i'm just shrugging here it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is even before we we talk about you know stuff that's outside of the gender binary mm -hmm. lgbt at all like the normal stuff that people say is going against nature this is like some of the original going against nature yes. stuff <laughs> that people were talking about women cannot be in charge except the queen she's special never mind and uh, well she's just kind of sitting on the throne and telling other people to be in charge so it's okay yeah right mm -hmm. <laughs> so what you've done here is reinforce the gender essentialist argument because You've just switched things, but the way you have switched things is a, is in an essentialist way. Mm -hmm. The women are not in charge because the society happened to involve happened to evolve from a matriarchal power structure, and therefore over the centuries it was just codified into the way that their systems and governments and other reinforcements worked. The women are in charge because the women are bigger. Yes, they're bigger. They're you know the ones that engage in all the hunting because they're more violent or something like that and uh, the all the guys are you know small and weak 
and uh, you know, I guess they're caregivers or something. Yeah, you only see, um, by my count, two native men in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them are very small, not muscular, and um, are being like servants. Now, yes. being non-muscular would make sense because in our society, a lot of women are not particularly muscular because we societally reinforce that women should not be. We, we yeah. tell women that working out is bad, that being too muscular makes you unattractive, etc., etc. But both men, that, since we only see two men, both of the men are physically smaller. They are shorter than the women are. Like, mm -hmm. this is a society in which the basic biological factors have been switched. The women yes. are all larger and taller, as well as being more muscular, but also still very stereotypically feminine which you, I just you're just not going to get away from in an 80s show so that mm -hmm. confuses things yeah <laughs> but it also means you have to make the men in the show even more aggressively feminine to counteract that you still have very feminine women yes you know the, the, the 80s power hair you know is you know a power sort of move but it's still you know very sort of feminine ex expression especially uh, uh, this sort of uh, time period so by directly switching all of the existing power structures, you're no longer making a commentary on gender inequality. You are making a commentary on essentialism. You are saying mm -hmm. that, yes, there is always a natural hierarchy. And that is how things function. And yes, we should try to even things out for rights reasons because that is good and proper, and the natural evolution that any society will eventually get to, this is the end of history argument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, we, we've already observed how things are going to turn out, just, you know, as a natural conclusion to all this stuff, and, you know, getting beyond these, uh, you know, petty physical differences is just how things work out, 100%. And so, you know, it's okay that your society has this now, just because we are already agreed that it's not going to later. You yeah. know, so we don't uh, have we to should, do anything. <laughs> we should probably get, I'll get into a very brief, um, I'll get into a very brief discussion of this um, because this is something that's going to come up a lot. Um, I'm going to, like, the end of history is a, I'll be generous and call it a political theory. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's annoying. That's what it is. <laughs> it interestingly didn't actually uh, come out. Like it was codified in a book called mm -hmm. "The End of History and the Last Man." Yeah, was, uh, uh, but that, that didn't was, come uh, out until not, the early nineties. Yeah, ninety-two. So it actually came out after this episode. Mm -hmm. It uh, was written by uh, Francis Fukuyama, who's a political scientist, very well known, mostly because of this book. Yes. <laughs> And uh, the the upshot to this, the the basic you know cliff, the super cliff notes version that will allow us to talk about this now because it's going to it's something that's going to keep coming up through '90s Star Trek. Mm -hmm. But the the basic idea is that Western liberal democracy, which we claim to have in the United States, is the evolutionary endpoint of society. Like and this so is what everything has been working toward. And now we've got it, and it is perfect, and it will never need to change. 
Yes, and uh, you know the uh, the fall of the Soviet Union is just a uh, a demonstration of the you know this uh, you know eventual victory because they're t- totally going to be a liberal democracy forever now. Hooray! Yeah. So the evolution argument that they're positing at the end of this episode that this is just the natural way that a society will evolve you will eventually get to gender equality no matter what you do is this kind of this kind of end of history argument saying there is in fact a end point that all societies will eventually hit that is western liberal democracy with equality for everyone that is that is what is going to happen no matter what you do it is inevitable and basically trying to have any kind of dictatorial regime any kind of inequality is just fighting the inevitable which in some ways is a nice sentiment but it also just sort of it's positing that the way things are now are um perfect yep (laughs) and would never need to change so, uh, you know, the, I, I guess for, you know, those who don't like the dictatorship, you know, it's like, yeah, you, you maybe want to fight this, but, you know, it's going to go away eventually, so you don't really have to worry about it. And for those who have gotten to the uh, Western liberal democracy, yeah, you know, there's no actual problems you have to fight against or improve in things because we've solved everything. And, you know, any attempt to make things better is actually going to take us backwards. So please don't. The other way that we are reinforcing the gender hierarchy with this episode is the way that the survivors, the new men, are said to be influencing society is through their existence (laughs) as modern, stronger, taller, hotter men. The rugged uh, good looks of these guys is just too powerful. (laughs) Yeah, you in fact even sort of run into some of the older like racist arguments like these men are just too sexually charged and they're stealing our women (laughs) because you will notice that their allies in this are their wives Mm -hmm. not a single man in this entire society ever offers an opinion on this situation yep you do you do not get a final scene where the man who is holding the freaking i'm going to kill you button goes no i believe it's wrong to kill these men because i deserve equal rights too yes <laughs> that would make sense to have happen at that particular moment but no it's the the lady who's like no don't kill them we we, we the uh, the gender that just happens to be in charge here uh, you know has to go make a decision and uh, you hold there and uh, you know as we make decisions about the possible fate of your entire gender and yeah and so you you know you don't have any actual say here and we're going to continue encouraging that sort of status quo yeah it's very strange to me this episode is trying to portray itself as a commentary on inequality but the oppressed group does not get to say anything through the entire episode Mm mm-hmm which is a little awkward yeah (laughs) the problem becomes that men from our more patriarchal but you know equal now in star Mm -hmm. trek it's completely equal there's no gender disparity you know troy's not wearing a low-cut top or dress on the bridge never mind um (laughs) oh uh she totally does that because she decided to i guess Yes. yes and the fact that she would decide that that's how she wants to appear in a professional setting does not say anything about the current gender dynamics in the show whether or not she chose to do it yeah (sighs) 
Yeah. So the men are so manly and powerful that they are influencing the society at large by the mere fact of existing as manly, powerful men, not inspiring the masses as they claim. Because if you wanted to have that claim demonstrated to us in the show, we would have to see the male perspective of the people living on the planet. But Mm -hmm. we don't. We only get the dominant group's perspective and then they eventually decide that maybe they shouldn't kill people and it's a very strange it's it's trying to do too many things it's trying to show us gender (laughs) equality by putting the women in charge but then it's not actually exploring the subtextual gender equality narrative that it's trying to make with its sci-fi point Mm -hmm. because it's not giving us any other perspective other than the dominant groups and yeah. then eventually the dominant groups goes, well, we aren't going to kill anyone, but we're going to make it impossible for people to have equality. Like, well, good enough. <laughs> well, we saved the lives of the people we came here to investigate. So that's, yeah, we could just now uh, ignore this planet forever. So um, interestingly, we have Patrick Stewart to thank for this not being worse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, everyone so, so, so. responded very badly to the original idea of the script, which was this was supposed to be a commentary on apartheid. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> where they use the gender role reversal to have apartheided men, which doesn't make any sense, even as a metaphor. Hmm. And uh, Patrick Stewart, as well as a lot of the other cast members, said, no, this episode is just too sexist. Stop it. Yeah, I, I'm just kind of baffled. I'm all lost for words. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you wanted to do something like this, I don't think they handled it super well because it was still a 90s show. But Sliders mm-hmm. did a We've Come to a Female-Dominated Society episode. Yeah. And one of the things that I think was very interesting, because overall that episode's not amazing. It's fine. It's it's um, reframing the idea of getting of like it's completely switched the idea of of uh, gender equality by saying like they are they start working with a campaign to become like the first man elected into government office. Indeed. In order yeah. to start the road towards gender equality, mirroring the way that it happened in our world, um, but one that's not exactly how things happened but they're just drawing parallels but one of the things that i find that was very very interesting is they had the men arguing for their own oppression Mm -hmm. in that episode because they talked to several men we got a we got several different male perspectives and a lot of the men that they talked to in the episode said they wouldn't be able to handle power positions because men are just inherently volatile and emotional <laughs> and angry. And, and so, yeah, this is the my, same sort of arguments we see, you know, get, you know, people argue that women shouldn't be in power. And yeah, it, and you know. <laughs> women will parrot the same arguments because of internalized misogyny. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating to me because they were able to take, like it was, it was an episode that at least on some level understood the thing it was commenting on. Because it took sexist arguments and turned them around 
to demonstrate that these arguments are just a societal thing that could apply to literally anything. Indeed. My, my absolute favorite is one of the men said, women only go through their hormonal cycle once a month. I go through mine five times a day. My emotions are all over the place. Yeah, that's a, a, an interesting sort of uh, argument to sort of put together for, for that situation. Because, uh, you, know, you know, it's just, you know, it's all right. So we've got to, you know, make anything that we're doing, you know, that, that, that is bad for me. You know, if I was in charge, it'd be worse. And this is what I've been taught. And here's the ridiculous reasoning behind it. And, you know, this is maybe something you know, in our actual reality here to watch out for as far as, as far as kind of bullshit arguments go that, you know, maybe this is something that people are saying, not necessarily because there's any actual merit to the argument, but in order to discourage you from sort of questioning the status quo and, you know, actively, you know, supporting that status quo, even though it's hurting you. Yeah. They aren't showing, they're showing a very, biological status quo in this episode because the reason that the women are in charge is never given as as like societal reasons like we like that argument that i just laid out from sliders is the exact opposite of the sexist argument that women cannot hold power positions because their hormonal cycles would make them too emotionally volatile at certain times which, which like know. that was a very good turnaround of that argument and yeah. it demonstrates <laughs> the stupidity of the argument yes <laughs> but, it's a nonsensical argument and is reliant on a lot of kind of bigoted you know assumptions about how people operate bigoted pseudoscience yeah and but this episode doesn't give us any societal reasons that people think the women should be in charge the women should be in charge because the women are physically bigger and stronger than the men mm -hmm. and then when men come to the planet from a species where the men are physically bigger and stronger that upsets the power dynamic of the society oh no hmm yeah i, I would have really liked in this episode if we had at least talked to at least two different guys that were not ramses and his crew you know, because there's the Trent character, uh, who's the only native guy that actually speaks, uh, and the other random background uh, fellow. Um, you know, maybe have Trent be the one who's like, you know, I don't actually care about, you know, the fight for equality. I'm here doing a job and I'm happy doing my job. While the other guy's like, I don't want to talk about this. Please stop asking me. I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, it should have been, well, it should have been the Roman episode. Yeah. <laughs> it should have been the Roman episode where they they show up, like, the everyone acts like the society is great and normal and fine. Like, Trent could lay out some arguments on why he's happy doing what he's doing. He's well taken care of. He doesn't have any complaints. He doesn't need to have a voice in politics because he doesn't have any particular concerns because mm -hmm. he's taken care of well. Yeah, yeah, and he's then, effectively the uh, the secretary to the president. So <laughs> yeah, then you show up to Ramsey's camp, where there's a lot of men from the planet there who mm -hmm. have come to this place because they're creating a little enclave where they can be treated well, and they're getting ideas about equality, actual equality, not like yeah. weird gendered crap from mm -hmm. these guys. Because <laughs> the thing that they all say is, "We have wives and families, and we as men deserve those wives and families." So, uh. Okay. <laughs> but like you could have them show up to the camp and there's 
other men there who mm -hmm. aren't from this crew, who have gotten inspired, who want to change things, who are saying they are being hunted down and treated as political dissidents for wanting the right to vote. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, make, you know, give some actual stakes to the locals as opposed to this being just the, the matter that is involved with these uh, this, this outsiders here. You could even have the old time, like they're, they're, they're talking about a very old timey, very sexist society in this one. So you could mm -hmm. even have like, tell us how how do men function when they don't get partnered to a woman when yeah. <laughs> a man has to exist on his own in this society? It seems unlikely they can own property or function in society on any level they mention that they don't have the right to vote and they're not supposed to hold opinions so how does that work yeah, like wh how are some of the men oppressed you start with trent who says he's fine but in arguments that don't make sense to us the modern male viewer because mm -hmm. his arguments are that he doesn't he doesn't have any particular problems so he doesn't need to engage with society he's happy to be pretty and taken care of then you get to someone who the society has failed but they don't have any recourse to take care of their problems when they're failed by the society yeah it's like uh, you know i was trying to do my own thing you know, you know do uh you know I, I didn't need to get married because i wanted to go do this other thing but if i got married i'd just be you know you know forced to stick uh stay at home and take care of the kids and well, I, I have dreams bigger than that. And uh, so, uh, you know, I decided not to get married. But unfortunately, when my brother died or my uh, my sister died, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the inheritance went to my second cousin as opposed to me uh, because, you know, they're you know, a woman and I'm a guy and I can't own the property if there's another person to inherit. And so they were like, oh, I'm just kicking me out. And so now I have nowhere to live. So, you know, that sucks. Yeah, you wind up in a problem with this where you have two separate oppressor classes from various societies making an argument on which one is better. So it just gets all muddled, convoluted. It doesn't really help anything. Yes. Yeah. It's the and the very fact that they are positing gender equality in a from a society and show that blatantly doesn't have it. Mhm. Mm they aren't even explaining how theirs functions, um, why they think people are equal, why having inequality is wrong. They never say that the inequality on the planet is wrong, in fact. They're yeah. pretty happy and fine with it until they're going to execute the people they're supposed to be there to get. Yeah, you know, Prime Directive says we can't interfere with your actual society here, so we're not going to address any of that whatsoever. Uh, we just want to deal with these people. Oh, no, we can't deal with these people unless we interact very slightly with your society crap but even in the background <sighs> even when they're alone they're not saying this is wrong they don't mm -hmm. go gee this is how women were treated 300 years ago before we had the gender equality wars it just feels like there's so many missed opportunities here and it's like you know it's like all right you know even even to have them while they're uh you know you know on their own be like yeah i don't find this place very comfortable and you know maybe Tasha's like, well, you're a guy, and then it's like, well, you know, this is also kind of a you know a situation that was like kind of common on you know you know Earth, you know, back in the day, you know, maybe this you know is just we've we've changed so much societally that it's just unsettling there. We could go have a, a you know a lengthy conversation about this and sort of get more background on the Federation as well as you know more of what's going on with this actual planet. 
But instead, we got, uh, you know, Picard and his uh, captain's long going, you know, this seems all sensible about how this planet works. So, yeah, I think overall they actually didn't make much of a commentary on anything, which mm-hmm. the only thing you can read from them not making a commentary on something is that they agree with a lot of it. Yeah. And <laughs> the things that they're agreeing with in this episode, while I believe that they're unintentional, are just reinforcing the essentialist gender dynamics of our own normal patriarchal society and yeah that's that's crap uh so uh i'm guessing uh we're both kind of anti-gender essentialists then yeah hooray (laughs) (laughs) because you know there's a lot that's kind of goes into that line of thinking that is just kind of questionable well like i said to even talk about this in half an hour Mm -hmm. i had to accept the gender essentialist argument of the of there yep. being a binary of two because yes. it's the only way that i could <laughs> dissect it in any reasonable amount of time yeah so assuming this thing that we disagree with <laughs> yes uh man it's it, it, this is one of those things where you know it, it's it, what well, this thing that pops up from time to time where in order to make any headway on someone's core argument you have to basically already buy into half the nonsense they're already kind of trying to sell in order to make headway to you know even get them to understand some of your own points yes. and by that point it's like okay so then how do i undo the things i've already taken as assumptions when i'm talking to them uh, without them sort of, you know, undermining the things I've already been trying to sort of argue so far. Uh, and yeah, it's just such a pain in the ass. Yeah, it creates an issue because when when something takes these arguments as so rote, so ingrained that they're just a natural part of everything and there's nothing that you can even say against them, you kind of have to accept a certain amount of the argument in order to deconstruct it. Mm-hmm. And but, then uh, if you're going to accurately deconstruct it, you're going to need a book. Like I've read books <laughs> on this that, that try to do this and it doesn't like they don't have enough time. This very, very complicated academic language because you have to be able to explain something that our language is not currently equipped to talk about. Indeed. That's why academic language gets so confusing because it's trying to talk about a concept that does not actually yet exist in our society so we don't have the language to explain it because they're trying to explain something new and novel or dissect something that we take for granted in a novel way mm-hmm. so uh yeah as a uh, a physicist you know sometimes you know it's like i can toss out words like now we're gonna look at the uh quantum uh, chromodynamic uh you know interactions here uh, and uh, with a focus on the SU3 uh, group here. And that's, like, simple in comparison. Hooray, <laughs> <laughs> <Right>, quarks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think we kind of covered the uh, you know, most of what I was uh, thinking about with regards to this episode, uh, except maybe the, uh, the you know, quick thing about where did this virus come from? Yeah, the... Yeah, it's, that's the only explanation I could come up with, uh, unless they picked it up on the last planet they were on which you know was on data lore so that's the planet where all the life had been eaten away yeah what they didn't sell you was lore as like a final screw you was able to interface with the computer for a split second when he was being transported and then reprogrammed the holodeck to snow virus 
Yes. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> yeah. They didn't even need it. They didn't even need the freaking virus. It was insane. Yeah, yeah just they sort didn't of need a, it for anything. It, it, yeah. it didn't introduce any con. It's like we can't go back to the ship, but these people don't even want to go back to the ship. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you know, you know, we had the uh, the Romulan uh, neutral zone plot. So, you if you want to have them not have the ship available. Make use of that. Don't worry about a virus. But yeah, maybe, Riker's final yeah. plan to beam everyone to forcibly beam everyone out before they were executed was not even necessary and wouldn't have made sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just uh, there's just some unnecessary things that maybe if they'd taken out the virus plot, we would have been able to have a better focus on the main item of the episode. Yeah, because the virus plot is so unnecessary. I'm glad that it let Jordy have some command time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, put Jordy in charge more often. Good times. Also, Klingon sneeze is, is kind of amusing. Yes. But, you know, we could kind of toss that anywhere into almost any episode. It's like, are you feeling all right? Oh, no, just get a little allergy, you know. Apparently, I'm allergic to random quirky thing about the Enterprise this week. So, uh, shall we uh, move on? Or is there anything else we need to sort of uh, you know, hash out here? No, I think we managed to get everything, which means that it's time for us to waste everyone's time with the galaxy's favorite game show! Hey everybody, welcome back to the galaxy's favorite game show. Uh, I'm having a good time here. I uh, hope you are too, and uh, you know we've got uh, some weird gender binary stuff going on here today. But uh, well, we're gonna you know move some of that binary to the next episode, perhaps. Maybe that will help us out. Anyway, uh, we got various contestants here, been racking up all sorts of prizes and uh, points here, and we're gonna be handing out some prizes to go with those points that they've gotten prizes for apparently already. Anyway, the first one to hand out is To Die is Logical Prize, which goes to Ramsey because becoming a martyr seems to make total sense when the alternative is to get a free ride off planet. What does Ramsey win, Upwin? Ramsey wins the kidnapping plan. They, they weren't doing what they said they were doing. Also, I just thought of a way better end to the episode where they do forcibly beam him out right as he's being disintegrated and they go oh no you killed him and it does create a martyr and then you get to the ship and go like well you're doing more good being dead than you would have done if we left you there to die <laughs> it's like well i can't complain because uh, i did my thing that i wanted to kind of do and yeah hmm. it's like well uh, now you're yeah. a martyr and look there's political change happening uh, uh, congrats ramsey uh, yes <laughs> ramsey will be baffled but delighted <laughs> Our second uh, prize today is the President Judge Prize, which goes to uh, Beata, the elected one, because apparently she could just declare someone must die for their crimes, I guess. So she's a dictator? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Gepwin, uh, what does she win? I guess they could win a judicial system, because it seems like the thing they don't have. But also, there must be very little crime on this planet if the main governing body has to decide sentencing. Hmm. So uh, maybe there's uh, some you know weird uh, gender essentialism uh, reason for that as well, that uh, all the crime was uh, done away with by putting the women in charge. I guess I I don't know where I'm going with this gap. When help me, uh, let's let's just move on to the next prize. There we go. Uh, uh, the uh, the third and final prize for this week is the hol holodeck malfunction prize because 
you know, space COVID or whatever the virus was, uh, you know, just comes out of the holodeck, I guess. So where else could it come from? Uh, yeah. So, so, so what does the virus win? Yeah, but I, I've, I've lost, I've lost the game here. <laughs> They've all won masks. Like, why do they not have masks? What happened to those force field isolation field thingies they had in the in the animated series? Like, mm-hmm. why can't you just put on a like force fieldy mask thing? Why yeah, don't they even show one of those in sick bay at all? You could just have a little blinky light that they put on and go like, okay, I have a whatever static repulsor vi- antiviral mask. Now mm-hmm. we can do the surgery. Hmm. Well, maybe that's how Crusher managed to avoid the virus so long. She has one, but no one else does. Hmm. Secretly. Dun dun dun. <laughs> I, I I've completely lost my mind here, Gepwin. Feel feel free to take us out. All right. Yes, gender essentialism has killed Isaac. So uh, thank you for joining us on the galaxy's favorite game show. So, uh, you know, gender essentialism kind of sucks. Causes problems. Yeah. It's pain in the ass to have to talk about because it's so ingrained in our way of thinking. I know, and we're definitely not going to have to talk about it again when this other guest star shows up in the future. <laughs> On the other episode that the dancer dude's in, no. Yep. <laughs> so, no, uh, this yeah. show's not going to make me talk about 90s LGBT representation. It wouldn't do that to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a smooth sailing from here on out. <laughs> Not my Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next we get to that uh computer refit that you've been you've been, you know, <laughs> lampshading for, <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. An episode where uh, the computer gets an upgrade, uh, but also the ship gets stolen. But also we get to see a star base. Yeah, we get a cool, all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. The Starbase is reused from the movies. Mm-hmm. And, so it's uh, the one. We get one. Yes. <laughs> which is nice. I actually kind of appreciate that they use the same Starbase, because so often things are like, we have to make everything look unique and cool, because it's the future. It's like, why? Once you put a thing in orbit, you're going to keep it there. Yes. Like, this was hard to build. <laughs> yeah. I really do like the design for these particular uh, style of Starbases, and I'd love to see them popping up in various uh, you know, uh, Star Trek more often just like even in the background situation where it's like this is effectively a giant city tower thing in space with a unique and uh, des- uh, cool design that looks like it's a star trek space station that isn't just random model you just turned upside down this week yeah yeah I so, uh, mean, the, it's it. literally a model they turned upside down yeah. from one of the movies Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I mean, I I do kind of like it better than the one that they have, which ostensibly might be the same dang space station that they have in Strange New Worlds that essentially says that the movie Silent Running is canonical in the Star Trek universe. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, Star Trek is canonical with some other random things, so, you know... (laughs) You know, uh, have I talked to you yet about the uh, crossover in the comic books uh, with uh, X-Men? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why? Because Star Trek. 
Disney doesn't own Paramount yet. <laughs> well, this is like back in like the 90s, you know. Yeah. Of course, yeah. I think Fox, no, Fox doesn't own the X-Men anymore because they just bought that too, so. Eh. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there was a, you know, a lot of weird crossovers have happened in comic books. So I believe uh, Doctor Who is uh, also canonical with the uh, Marvel comics, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. <laughs> So that means that the Doctor can show up on the Enterprise and it'll still make sense. Good. <laughs> I hope they do that next. I'm, I'm actually kind of excited for the next Doctor, so... <laughs> Hopefully there's some Star Trek crossover to get someone to subscribe to uh, Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> okay, so next time we are doing computers um, yes. that still use binary code for some reason, even though we should have moved past that long ago. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, maybe uh, we're stuck using binary code because it's all using uh, spin-orbit coupling or something. It would suggest that this whole quantum computing thing never worked out. Yeah. Or maybe they do have quantum computers, but uh, the like the actual computer section of where they make use of it requires a lot of overhead, and that's why the, uh, the main computer is like 10 stories tall. Yeah, I mean, the computer is too huge. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we're still on this micronization isn't going to take off thing that they were doing in the 80s it's better than the we can't even fit a computer on a spaceship thing that they were doing in the 60s but yeah moving in the right direction now uh, now i'm look, trying to look up the an actual diagram of the uh enterprise d uh computer diagram but i'm just getting all these you know enterprise computer networks and like no i don't want modern <laughs> things talking about this uh <laughs> all right there we there, there there's an actual uh uh, side thing, yeah. Let's uh, two, four, six, eight, eight, ten, like ten or eleven decks. It looks like so. <laughs> As everyone can see with your handy visual aid. Yes, <laughs> my handy visual aid that only I can see. <laughs> oh, and uh, yes, uh, I also do have the uh, Enterprise D uh, schematics on my shelf, but, but that's the other room. So, you know, it also take a few minutes to get it out and lay out all the, uh, the you know various pages it's really extensive i i, I recommend it <laughs> all right so now that we've proved what huge nerds we are yeah. next week's episode i'm only going to read this stupid thing once because it's not meant to be said out loud next week we're getting to the weird episode with the weird computer aliens one one zero zero one zero zero one yes uh you know if we want to put that to song it's one one zero zero one zero zero one I don't know why you would, but yeah, you can. Yeah. You could do that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, maybe next time I'll have uh, thought to put that into, like, alphanumerics or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's the number... Uh, I, th I think it's 201? Like, yeah, I think it's supposed to be, like, if you add up everything of something. Yes, 201. Uh, it's approximate of, of pi binary... Uh, hex is C9, uh, equals letter I. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and other things, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I'll spoil it for you. It's literally a file name. Yep. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's the whole thing. Yep. Surprise! Anyway, the entire point of the next episode is to flirt with some hot chick in the holodeck. That's literally yes. the only takeaway, so. Yeah. Minuet. But she does yeah. come back later, technically. Yeah. Spo spoilers uh, for <laughs> an episode that people don't remember. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
I certainly don't. Anyway. <laughs> Next week, uh, the binary the binary code episode. <laughs> I don't want to read it again. One one zero zero one zero zero one. <laughs> Next time on Watchers of Tomorrow, the Enterprise faces off against space cyborgs. have been listening to Watchers of Tomorrow, a podcast on science fiction media. Find and follow Watchers of Tomorrow on Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Spreader, Digital Podcast, and perhaps many more to come. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to subscribe for more, and where possible, make sure to rate your experience or leave us a review. You may find Gepwin on youtube.com slash Gepwin and Twitter at Gepwin. You may find me, Dr. Isix, on youtube.com slash Dr. Isix and Twitter at IsixLP. Music is Waveform and Maury's Principle, both by DRKRN. You can also check out the Watchers of Tomorrow Discord channel. Make sure to share the experience with your friends, family, enemies, and alien overlords. If you feel you are suffering from transporter syndrome, please be aware that the next time you step off the transporter, that you, that is now, no longer exists. 